0: What is the role of the Speaker of the House? How is the Speaker determined? And what does the voting process look like? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. calendar year ushers in a new congressional class, which also means a new Speaker of the House. And boy, did we have some drama this time around. The elected Speaker is responsible for maintaining order in the House. And that's a pretty large group of people to navigate. There are 435 members in the House of Representatives that come from a variety of different social, economic, and ethnic backgrounds. And the Speaker must mediate all of them. What a job to have. So who is eligible to be Speaker of the House? And what power does the role hold? And can the Speaker of the House be removed? Well, here to talk me through all of this is Fox News senior congressional correspondent Chad Pergram. Chad, how's it going? Thanks for coming back on Getting Schooled. I'm happy I didn't scare you off the first two times? You've <laughs> of been course on twice, not. I'm right?
1: glad to be on with you, Abby. Yes. It's been a long time.
0: I, well, I love chatting with you because you're a true professional and also great at sneaking in Taylor Swift puns in your report about
1: the Senate hearings. <laughs> on the I don't get to do that all the time, <laughs> do I though? No. Uh, when recovering the Taylor Swift uh, Ticketmaster antitrust hearing, yes. But uh, I don't know. Not uh, this, During the speaker's race, probably not. <laughs>
0: yeah, probably not. Um, this was quite the drama, huh, Chad? I mean, some people watched The Bachelor for that drama, but some were glued to their TV on that Friday night to see if Kevin McCarthy would get those votes Um, you know for those who didn't follow Chad how did that process go down why did it go down when it did and what's the deal with all the pizza
1: Well, you're right. Uh, The process uh, was pretty messy. We haven't had a speaker's race quite like this since 1923 and really since 1859. Uh, And there was high, high drama. I mean, there was this point late on that Friday night in early January where McCarthy, they thought they were going to have the votes. Uh, The the House came back into session at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. And I was told they're there. But just before they started that vote, I was told by a pretty good source, they said, "Eh, we think he's a little bit short. And sure enough, at the end of that roll call vote, he did not have the votes to become speaker. And then there was a vote to adjourn. You know, the House of Representatives in that posture, it can only do two things. It can continue to vote repeatedly on speaker until it gets a speaker or it can adjourn. And the House planned to come back that Monday. And it's generally thought around here, Abby, that had the House adjourned, uh, it was very unclear if Kevin McCarthy would have ever become the speaker had he not then won on the 15th vote. And what happened is uh, they cut those last minute deals. Uh, We saw it play out right there on the House floor very rarely Do you get to see how they make the sausage? And that was the beauty of of that night or or the curse, depending on your your (laughs) vantage point.
0: Nobody wants to see how the sausage is made, Chad.
1: Absolutely. And then uh, they voted to stay in session and a little bit. Now we move into Saturday morning at that point. It's after midnight. uh, Kevin McCarthy finally prevailed by the skin of his chinny chin chin uh, to get the votes to become speaker. Why did he not have the votes? Well, the first reason uh, is because they didn't have a very big majority. You know, we heard conversations over the past couple of years that Republicans were going to have all 40 to 60 seat majority. Uh, they're at five seats. Um, so they won control of the House, but barely. And had Democrats actually you know, hung on to some of these seats in New York state, uh, you know, Democrats would still be in the majority. The problem for Kevin McCarthy was this. It comes down to the math. You've heard me say this time and time again. You have to have and follow this closely. I'll say it a couple of times because it is complicated. To win the speakership, you have to have an outright majority of those members casting ballots for somebody by surname. In other words, by last name. So if you have people who are voting present, that doesn't count against the total. If you have people who are absent, that doesn't count against the total. And so that's why there was a lot of algebra and alchemy uh, in that uh, that race, because we never quite knew what the actual number was. Kevin McCarthy was always coming in a little bit short of what the outright majority uh, would be voting for somebody by last name. Now, let's do the actual math here. Okay. So the Congress has started with one vacancy in the House. Donald McKeachin, who is a Democrat from Virginia. He died just a couple of weeks after being reelected last November. So rather than 435 seats, they started with 434 seats. Okay, so Democrats had 212 and Republicans would have uh, again, we'll do the math here, 222. So that's that five seat, five seat majority. So you can only lose four votes. In other words, if you have all members casting ballots for somebody by last name, The magic number is going to be 218. okay, and that's what it is when you have 435 members. Also, you can't have half a person. In other words, it doesn't go down to 217. It is 218. Mm -hmm. So Kevin McCarthy could only lose four. Now, this has been where the criticism has uh, has landed with Kevin McCarthy. He was not known when he was the whip or the majority leader or the minority leader at being really good at counting votes. In other words, knowing where all the votes were and and knowing how people were actually going to cast their ballots on a litany of issues. That was not his calling card. So he thought he might be, you know, a little short and there'd be some negotiation. But pretty early on, you know, it was clear that he had 1920 people against him. That's higher than one than was anticipated. And so that's where you start to have to make all these horse trades, to promise to people different things about committee assignments and and how we're going to set up the rules package, how the House is going to be run in the next couple of years, having an open process for members to offer amendments. Uh, You know, it's just not the Speaker and the Majority Leader that makes up the schedule. Uh, Members have input on what bills they put on the floor. You get the idea. Right. So finally, when they went into that 14th vote, this was the last vote that he failed on that, that Friday night. Uh, he had definitely started to make up some uh, some ground during the course of the day. So he was getting closer, but he didn't yet have the votes. And so finally, by virtue of uh, Matthew, uh, Matt Gates, the Republican uh, congressman from Florida voting present, it was just enough to get McCarthy to kind of skirt by. And that's why you don't know on every roll call vote what the magic number would be the reason being is that it changes depending on how many people are actually casting ballots and you know leading up to that um they had ken buck republican of colorado he had been absent he had a health issue had to go back to colorado and then he returned Uh, wesley hunt who's a freshman from texas he was out because his wife had a baby and the baby was in the icu and so he was out and had to come back so you see you know you just don't know who's actually going to be there Right. And, Abby, I'll, I'll point this out, that that's going to be something to really watch in this Congress because of two things. Number one, Nancy Pelosi, when she was the House Speaker, she was really good at counting votes and knowing exactly how many votes she had. And Nancy Pelosi did not lose votes on the House floor. I will say that again. Nancy Pelosi mm-hmm. did not lose votes on the House floor. I don't care whether you like her politics or not. That's what that was how she ran the place, because she knew exactly where the votes were. She is probably, uh, without many questions, the best vote counter in congressional history, period. End of story. So contrast that to Kevin McCarthy and the the baggage that I sort of talked about there. So that's the first problem. Number two, what is passed as prologue? It's going to be a bear for Republicans to pass anything. And I mean anything, this Congress, because of their narrow majority. Now, Democrats were much better at that, partly because of Pelosi, and they stuck together. Republicans are all over the map. And if you have any Tom, Dick, or Harry out on a given Wednesday, uh, and there's probably 10 of them, uh, you know, you try to get 434 people in the same room at the same time, Abby. Impossible. Okay. Impossible. Yes. And this is the problem. So they're going to have people just out, you know, who's going to be the Ken Buck or Wesley Hunt on these other days. Right now, Greg Stubbe, Republican from Florida, he had a bad fall at his house. He was doing construction work and fell 25 feet and he's out for several weeks where they're already down a couple of members. Yes. So this is the problem that they're going to have in this majority over the next couple of years. It does come down to, as we say the math
0: the math that's right well you know i just want to quickly go back to something that you said in that um, you said 19 or 20 people were against him and you kind of went through some of those reasons but why so many and and how did we get to the point where there were 15 15 votes Or rounds of votes. Right.
1: Well, let me answer the the second question first. Uh, The reason is because the House, once it is constituted, it cannot do anything until it actually elects a speaker. So the only thing you can do is vote uh, to either adjourn or keep voting for speaker. That's all you can do. You can't do it. You can't pass bills. You can't create committees. You cannot do anything until you get that speaker.
0: That's why we kept having to call people congressmen, congresswoman elects.
1: That's right because they, because the speaker then Abby swears them in until you swear them in they're not you know they're not anything you know it's a little bit different in the Senate uh, the Senate two-thirds of the body carries over because the the terms are staggered uh, it's different in the House of Representatives. the house is a two-year term it starts anew every two years. so that's the first thing so uh, so you talk about the nineteen or 20, oh there were a litany of issues. Um, to start with, there were about four or five people who probably weren't going to vote for him at all, no matter what. Lauren Boebert was somebody who was probably not going to vote for him uh, under under any circumstances. Bob Good from Virginia. Uh, Andy Biggs from Arizona. So you get the idea. Matt Rosendale from Montana. They were really the four holdouts there. Um, so 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 that's the, the you know, the universe of people that that were that we're looking at. So he started to make these promises about how they would construct what's called the Rules Committee. Now, this is way in the weeds, and this is worth a podcast unto itself, but I'll give you kind of the thumbnail here. The Rules Committee in the House of Representatives is the gateway to the House floor. In fact, it's often described as the Speaker's Committee, because if you're going to put a bill on the floor, you have to go through the Rules Committee first. And what the Rules Committee does is it decides how much time you are going to allocate on a given bill, And if there's going to be any amendments in order, and if you can't get a rule out of the committee, you can't put the rule on the floor for the entire House to to vote. And if you can't approve the rule on the floor, you can't bring up the bill. In other words, it's like saying today we're going to play football. And before we play football, we have to decide what the rules are. OK, is this Canadian football? Is this American football? (laughs) Are there four downs? (laughs) Are there three? You you know, can you have a man in motion like you do in Canadian football versus, you know, you know, you, you do all these things? In your rules, in the in the rule for each bill that goes to the floor. So if you've not agreed on the rules, you can't play the game. So what Republicans, uh, these concessions that they extracted, essentially, is that there would be certain members, not by name, but certain members of the Freedom Caucus and so on and so forth, who would get positions on the Rules Committee. And this is why it's going to be very hard to get bills out of the Rules Committee to start with, let alone get them on the floor, let alone pass them. But that was the concession, uh, among others, that were made uh, that they would stick to the process of making sure that all bills go through committee and go through, and you know, which now we're not talking about the Rules Committee here, we're talking about the Armed Services Committee or the Financial Services Committee or we're talking about the uh, you know, Energy and Commerce Committee, that they go through the actual what we call the regular order here, the legislative process. So, so these were some of the things that McCarthy kind of caved on. Here's the big one. Here's the big one, and this one is very interesting. Uh, you heard a lot about something called the motion to vacate the chair. Well, in a European parliamentary system, what they sometimes do is they have a vote of no confidence in the prime minister or whoever, and it's pretty sure, pretty clear that that person's going to have to go. You know, if, they, if they win. That no confidence vote, it's one thing if they lose, then they're probably done. So what you would do here is that there's always been the opportunity for members to try to potentially call for a new speaker vote in the middle of a Congress. Now, that's not happened with the exception of when we had people die or or something like that. And previously, the bar was higher and it kind of changes some from Congress to Congress. But back in 2015, uh, Mark Meadows, before he became chief of staff, he was a congressman from North Carolina. He threatened to use this uh, tactic, this tool against then House Speaker John Boehner to call a new vote for speaker in the middle of the Congress. Now, that never happened. But four months later, John Boehner saw the writing on the wall and he was out the door and retired. And there's a reason why Kevin McCarthy did not win the speaker's race that fall as well and didn't succeed him. We had Paul Ryan as the former speaker. So what happened was they said, we want you to lower the bar so that only one member at any point can make a motion to say we're going to have a new election for speaker. Now, that doesn't mean that they're automatically having a vote for speaker right then and there. That, that vote would have to carry. In other words, if I'm a congressman and I call this up, they're going to vote on my my idea to say, okay, we're going to have a a, let's have a new vote for speaker. And if that prevails, then we go through this whole process like we did on starting on January 3rd, uh, you know, back at the at the start of the month. Okay, so that's what would happen. So it's just not one person can do this. They have to first approve that proposal. And then if that proposal to have a vote on speaker uh, succeeds, then you would actually have another vote on speaker and decide who your new speaker is, be it Kevin McCarthy or somebody else if you look at that rules package that they passed, I dare you to find language about what the number is of, you know, like I said, the number is one. It only takes one person to say, let's have another vote for speaker. I dare you to find anything in there that says anything about this. Why? Well, because previous rules packages would allow that provision to be in there, but but the, the bar was much higher. What these opponents of Kevin McCarthy negotiated is for the rules package to be silent on how to address calling for a new speaker. So therefore, mm-hmm. there is a provision in the House that anytime you can call you can call up what's called a privilege resolution, a question of privileges of the House is what it's called. And therefore you make that motion that you think there should be another vote for speaker. And that can come up at any time. And so that's not in the rules package. What was negotiated is to keep that out of the rules package.
0: Sneaky. Okay, so what you're saying, Chad, basically is because I remember when they were talking about this during some I I can't remember which vote it was since there were 15 of them. But um, trust me, I don't either. (laughs) I was just I remember he he agreed to allowing just one member to sponsor a motion to remove the speaker. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that what's actually in there, though, doesn't define doesn't outline that.
1: It doesn't, because, because already there is an option. What it did, what previous rules packages did, was build a firewall mm-hmm. against this and say, OK, it has to be a higher number. Uh, and, and so that was kind of the defense against it, And that's why you, you rarely had it. So what they had done here is not had it in there at all. And that's why it's up to one member under that provision, as I said, called a question of privileges of the House.
0: All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. Do you think that um, in your opinion, that was one of the big things in that uh, concessions that he made that eventually won him the speakership
1: yes uh it, it was a combination of things, frankly, because they finally got some of those members uh to peel off big chunks of them, but that was uh, certainly one that that was outstanding uh and, and that helped him um, and that's why you know this is kind of you know swinging over him as a as a sort of Damocles. Now, here, let me take you down the rabbit hole.
0: I love it. I'll follow you down the rabbit hole.
1: I said, I said, any member could call this up. The number is one, not 50, not 20, not 15, one. So let's just say you're a Democratic representative and you want to make mischief. Because I thought what they might do, Abby, is put the provision in there and make it specific to Republican members members of the majority. Well, remember, the rules package is silent on this. Mm -hmm. Nothing in there at all. So what that means, if I was a Democratic member who wanted to make mischief, I would just out of the middle of nowhere call up the provision, say we should have a new vote on Speaker. And, you know, just force the House to go through at least one step. It's not going to be the 15 votes right again. Frankly, Kevin McCarthy would probably win. Uh, although I will say, you know, let's say, you know, you, you, you do this kind of a surprise attack. I mean, I mean, I'm getting, you know, way in the weeds here. But if you if you did this on any given day, remember what I talked about absences? Right. And you don't really know who's here every day. If Democrats were to do that on a day where there were a lot of Republicans absent, ha 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 You see what I'm getting at? Not only could you force a to go through this whole speaker exercise again, but you could also maybe get a democratically elected speaker. Remember that with the exception of one roll call vote, Hakeem Jeffries was there at two hundred twelve votes every single time. You had David Trone, a Democrat from Maryland who was out. He had surgery one morning, came back into the House chamber with a uh, with an arm and a sling and a cane, but voted later in the day. This was on Thursday, the the, the third day of voting. So you get the idea. Um, This is where, um, uh, you know, there could be some mischief. Now, some members might say. You know, we're in the minority. All this, you know, we're trying to pass bills. We're trying to do the work of the American people. We went through this saga. Why should we go through this saga again? You know, you know, that's not good governance, uh, especially if we're just doing these guerrilla uh, tactics. Um if you actually had some some strategy, uh, some str- I almost said strategery, <laughs> we'll call it right. we'll call it strategic. up if whatever you,
0: word you want on this. Well, podcast. you know,
1: this was the whole, you know, Saturday Night Live line, you know, strategery back to 23 years ago, the 2000 election. But anyway, if you had some really good strategery behind this, you could do it just the way I spelled out and make sure that you had a certain number of Republicans who were absent and you know, and then, you know, prevail on that. And then the second step is make sure everybody was there and then prevail on the speaker's vote. You'd have to be really sneaky about that. I would never rule anything out. I doubt that that's going to happen. But you could try to, you know, play some games there. But, uh, you know, again, this is this is why I was surprised that they limited this to just one member, any Tom, Dick, or Harry. And, you know, this is what, well, you have to and you don't have to be a member of the of, of the uh, of the House to be speaker. You know, that was uh, part right. of the direction. That was a big thing that, that they were going. They said, well, maybe we would. Uh, now, that's never happened, that we will elect somebody else who is not a member. That's never happened. But you you could do that. But the problem with this is, is that, uh, you know, as I just laid this out, you know, this kind of uh, strategy, as I called it, the reason it probably won't happen, Abby, is that, I would bet dollars to donuts that 85 percent of the members of Congress do not understand the process that I laid out and aren't aware that they could do it that way. John Dingell.
0: Let's hope the they late don't listen to this podcast.
1: Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> that, that's true. Uh, John Dingell is the late congressman from Michigan. Debbie Dingell is his, his, his wife and she's a member uh, now, took his seat after he he retired. And he used to have a saying. He said, you let me write the process, and you write the policy, and I will beat you every time, there are a handful of members on both the House and Senate side, who truly understand the rules. And if you understand the rules, you can do a lot of things around here. And there's a lot of members who are members have different talents. Some are good orators. Some are really good at constituent service, you know, taking care of their people, you know, having a problem with the VA or having a problem with the you know, IRS, that sort of stuff. Uh, some people are really good at their policy area, the environment or, or judiciary uh, policy or police or something like that, health care. Um, very few actually really get the rules. But I have seen this happen over and over again. The ones who really do understand the rules they are the ones who are able to finagle these things because they see those opportunities. Uh, Robert Byrd, the late uh, Senate Majority Leader from West Virginia, he was probably the best I ever saw and, and because he took time to understand the Senate rules Probably in ways that others did not understand. Nobody had ever, you know, committed to learn the rules the way Robert Bird had. Maybe Lyndon Johnson when he was here, perhaps. Uh, but 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 it's, it's pretty limited, and so that's why this scenario probably wouldn't happen because most people have not thought this out. Which this is, kind is what of I
0: sad because you. This is home. what I think
1: about at night when I go home. Isn't that <laughs> isn't that sad? I should be listening we, we to Taylor Swift.
0: I know. <laughs> well, you you could run for Senate because you understand the rules. And I mean, then you become president. And we all can vote for you. I, no, would, I don't I would think that's that going to happen.
1: I don't think that's going to happen. Thank <laughs> yeah, you.
0: That's, that's so right. funny. You would think that the senators would know the rules. But to your point, it is, you know, they, they really don't, some of them.
1: The, it's because that they have divided attention. And there's only so many things you can concentrate on in a day. You know, I mean, I mean, consider, you know, my job covering, you know, the Hill. Today, for instance, I've been working on a story about a new subcommittee on cryptocurrency. But there's about five other stories going on around here. The, you know, the uh, uh, intelligence director, Avril Haines, is here on Capitol Hill today. There's questions about seating Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff on their committees, yes. the Intelligence Committee. McCarthy is going to prevent that from happening. You know, and then I'll get some other question about some, you know, other issue. And I'm like, I, I don't know. You know, again, I only have so much bandwidth. And so this is the same thing that happens to members. Right. It's hard. It is hard.
0: Well, I actually, I, I want to kind of ask something uh, related to what you just said. You know, you follow these things very, very closely. I follow it from, you know, as, as closely as I can just from watching you report on this. Uh, but, you know, we, we might see how the Speaker of the House maintains order, manages its proceedings, governs the administration of its business, things like that. But in layman's ter- terms, what does the Speaker of the House do?
1: Yeah. The Speaker is the constitutional officer for this branch of government. So let's start with Article 1 of the Constitution. The Speaker of the House is mentioned. The majority leader in the Senate is not. In fact, we didn't even have him until 1913. So you have three constitutional officers for each branch of government. Speaker of the House, President of the United States, and the Chief Justice of the United States—not the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court—Chief Justice of the United States— in the judiciary. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. Number two, uh, the speaker is kind of the person in charge. You know, you have a group of 435 or in this case, 434 people. You have to have somebody who's kind of sort of in charge. Yes, you have the majority leader. Yes, you have the majority whip to count the votes. The majority leader formally sets the, the floor schedule. But the speaker deals really with everything, what the agenda is going to be, who's going to be on the committee's um, you know, I mean, seriously, I mean, is a certain piece of artwork going to be on a, on a you know, hallway wall somewhere? I mean, those types of things all play into this. Uh, we heard these questions about congressional security, uh, you know, with the riot on January 6th. You know, ultimately, the speaker, uh, you know, has a, a role in this. I mean, there's people under him or her, but, you, you know, you have the, the Capitol Police chief, you have the sergeant at arms. They run the House. Ultimately, ultimately, this Everything in this branch of government comes back to the speaker. But there's something else. So a few years ago, when John Lewis, the late congressman from Georgia, was alive, they had a sit-in on firearms in the House chamber. And this is where Democrats came into the well and sat. This is like, you know, John Lewis used to do in sandwich shops and things in the South during the Civil Rights Movement. And they said, we need to get some action on gun legislation. And, of course, they were out of order in doing this. And so finally, Paul Ryan, who was Speaker at the time, this was in 2016, finally just said, you know what, we're just going to move on. We're going to vote tonight. We got work to do. Let's just do it. And if they're going to sit on the well, fine. Okay. well, the issue was, is that you had members in that case not really respecting what the Speaker had directed them to do to clear the well. And either you respect the gavel. The Speaker has the gavel. You saw You know, Speaker McCarthy with it on on day one, finally after he won that Saturday morning. Either as members you respect the power of the gavel or you don't. And this is where political power sometimes mutates. So, Kevin McCarthy, because of this small majority, he is the Speaker of the House, but compared to potentially other speakers of the House, he does not have a lot of political power. Nancy Pelosi had virtually the same majority. She had a lot of political power because it it, it fueled her. It came. All, all of her members were completely behind her and would support her decisions. And she knew that as well and would make decisions on behalf of the caucus and the House. Kevin McCarthy is just a few weeks into this. He has demonstrated he doesn't have a lot of political power. Uh, and sometimes you have strong speakers. Sometimes you have weak speakers. There are probably certain committee chairs or maybe even certain members of the minority right now who have more power than Kevin McCarthy, even though he because he's been through this bloody, uh, you know, speaker's race. There are those who will say, oh, he came out stronger because he, you know, we're finally all behind him. Uh, You know, I asked him on that Thursday night. So this is before the Friday night vote at 10 o'clock. I said you know, I said, doesn't this make you weaker as Speaker? And he said, oh, no, no, no. I said, but this is the first time we've had a Speaker's race go this long since 1859. Doesn't that say enough? And of course, he, you know, he, he said something to the contrary. Uh, it's hard to see, you know, political power, it's hard to measure it precisely. But, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people would say that Kevin McCarthy right now, because of what he went through, And because of the small majority and because of a lot of members all over the map on what they want to do is probably a fairly weak speaker. Now, he's got two years to do this. Let's see how how well this goes. I mean, it's hard to say, but that would be a layperson's interpretation of this right now. Again, you don't have any econometrics to truly judge this. But, you, you know, whether you again, whether you like Pelosi or not, she was a powerful speaker, even with a narrow minority. You see what I'm t- talking about? So, you know, political power is, you know, you could say this about, you know, how how, how powerful was President George W. Bush? Okay, so 2001, he wins. He wins without, you know, winning in the, in the popular vote. He wins in the Electoral College. Hadn't happened in a long time like that. So how powerful was he at the beginning of his presidency? Probably not as powerful as other presidents. How powerful, though, was he after 9-11? You see what I'm getting at in yeah. his poll rate? You see, you see so you so this know what's is going to happen. Yes. So I've told you administratively what the role of the speaker is, but I've also told you what the reality mm-hmm. of the speakership is. Mm-hmm. And that changes depending on the time and the person.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I, I actually did want to ask you, what happens um, to your point? I mean, it, it took 15 votes. What happens if they just kept voting and voting and voting and, and they he wasn't elected, then what happens?
1: Well, they would just have to keep voting and voting. I mean, you know, uh, the, the longest speaker's race, and this was uh, back in the mid, uh, you know, 19th century, took two months. Wow. We didn't quite get there. <laughs> uh, you know, but this, this was a long one. It was the longest since 1859. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another one also in the 19th century, took two weeks. Um, so, You know, that's the only thing you can do. You know, I'd asked Nancy Pelosi at her very last press conference as speaker. I said, you know, do you think you might be the last speaker for a while? Uh, You know, is it going to take them a while to elect a speaker? And she said, I hope not. She said they really need to get this sorted out for the good of the country. I said, does it weaken the institution? And she said, no, no, no. She did say something to the contrary to that. Uh, around the time of the Speaker's race or just after it, because it did take so much time, frankly. Um, But I think at the time she was trying to, you you know, Paul Ryan said something uh, recently, and and he commented about, you know, John Boehner, when he passed the baton or the gavel in this case, uh, he said, you know, the number one responsibility of the Speaker, and this is what you asked about a few minutes ago, is to protect the integrity of the House, and that's not written down anywhere in the Constitution. It's not in a manual somewhere. It's just kind of assumed. And I think what Pelosi, based on her answer to me in late December, and then a comment to another reporter in the hall about, you know, her kind of observations about the speaker's race, was that, you know, this might have been a little bit injurious to the integrity of the House, you know, going through that, that, that scrapping and that battle that went on for so long that played out in public view. Um Again, these things are hard to measure. Uh, There was, as you say, tremendous interest in this. The public was watching. They were watching C-SPAN. They were watching Fox. They were watching, you know, MSNB. They were watching everybody. People were glued Uh, to the TV. It was it was fascinating. So maybe that actually was a good thing. You know, people saw the process.
0: We'll be right back after this. You know, I made yes. a joke earlier that no one wants to see how the sausage is made, but it kind of you kind of do because you're curious because you want to <laughs> know what you're putting in your body. You want to know what what they're doing for your country. I mean, it's it's important to understand these things. And I want to pick up you were talking about political power earlier and the latest drama, I think, um, from what I've seen with all this Speaker McCarthy uh, stuff is that he officially denied Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff the seats on the House Intelligence Committee. Right. So does he need votes to back that up? Or can he just say, you know what? Sorry, you're out.
1: Well, there's two types of committees in the House. There are select committees. Remember, there was the select committee investigating the riot. Yes. That was a select committee. That's why Nancy Pelosi, as speaker, ultimately could nix some of Kevin McCarthy when he was the minority leader, some of his picks for the committee. And then you remember that Kevin McCarthy said, well, we're just not going to play. Okay, so that's what happened. So that was a select committee. The same with the Intelligence Committee. That is a select committee as well. And so the speaker uh, can tell the minority leader or tell his own members, uh, I'm not going to seat you on this committee. I control this committee. Now, for the seating on other committees, uh, it's a different story. You might remember that the Democrats, they decided to boot two members from their committee assignments because of various things that they had said and done, Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia and Paul Gosar of Arizona. And so there was a full House vote to relieve them of their committee assignments. So, OK, that, that, that's on other committees. And so that's what they might try to do here with Ilhan Omar. But remember what I told you, it is about the math. There are two members on the Republican side who have said that they are not for stripping people from committees. Victoria Sparts of Indiana, Nancy Mace of South Carolina. OK, so you got Greg Stubbe is out. So already you're so you're down already now at about that one person. OK, you know, I told you it's a four or five vote margin, depending on who's here. Mm-hmm. So it remains to be seen whether or not they can effectively have an actual roll call vote on the floor To relieve Ilan Omar of her committee assignments, even though McCarthy has said that's like that's what he would like to do. But he can do that with Swalwell and Schiff on the Intelligence Committee because it is a select committee.
0: Got it. And how are the party nominees selected in the first place? How did we get Kevin McCarthy?
1: So what happens is that uh, you have a majority and the minority, you have the Republicans, the Democrats, and so for Speaker, what they do is each caucus, each conference, it's a conference on the Republican side, a caucus on the on the Democratic side, uh, they put somebody's name into nomination. Now, you could have other people nominate somebody else. And you had that happen with Byron Donalds. Okay, remember, he was on the ballot for a while there. You often have people vote for, uh, again, just anybody. I mentioned John Lewis a few minutes ago. There were times where he got votes for Speaker. Uh, There had been votes cast for Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, Jeff Sessions, uh, the former senator from Alabama and former attorney general. Uh, Colin Powell, when he was around, got votes. Uh, David Walker, who was the controller of the currency. Now, in those instances, Abby, uh, they were not those names, those kind of wildcard names were not placed in nomination. Byron Donald's name was actually placed into nomination. Jim Jordan's name was placed into nomination by Matt Gates at one point. But people can vote for whomever they want, uh, whether or not somebody has formally put your name into nomination or not. And in fact, I'd never had to ask this question. I did. I said, well, what if they put your name into nomination? Is there any way that you can withdraw it? And the answer is no. Really? You're, the, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're in.
0: You're you taking know, so. that job whether you like it or not.
1: Yeah. Well, as being sworn in is one thing, but they, they could sure nominate you, and they could sure vote on you, but you have to accept and be sworn right. in, of
0: course. Wow, ah, uh, that's I mean, it, it's so I, I love talking to you because you do get into the intricacies, and it really helps us understand exactly how these things work. Because you could you could watch it from a you know just a baseline level, and you you could understand it, but. To really understand it, you have to go in the weeds a little bit more. I do want to ask you this because I know that we're running sure. a little uh, tight on time. But uh, coming up, we have the State of the Union address. Um, Kevin McCarthy did invite President Biden. He accepted. Why is it the role of the Speaker of the House to invite the president to give the State of the Union ad- address?
1: Well, first of all, it's his house. you know, And you don't make the ask until you know the when. In other words, right. there, there have been a, a mutually agreed upon time and date negotiated between the White House and, and, and the House of Representatives, that that's the date and so on and so forth. Uh, the president, again, different branch of government, can't just show up here okay, and speak. You know, There was a thought at one point with, uh, with former President Trump that he wanted to do that. Uh, different branch of government, you can't do that. So that's that's the first problem. Um, You have no authority here, even though you're the president. You're you're not mentioned to Article two of the Constitution. The Congress is Article one. So, you know, you just don't you know, you know, you when you have guests over, you know, you usually invite them. You send an invitation, a formal invitation. You call them on the phone. You text them, whatever. It's the same thing. You, You invite them. And keep in mind that originally we used to do this in person. I'm talking like the beginning of the republic. This was done in person. And in fact, George Washington would come to the Congress. It talks about advice and consent. And he would sometimes physically come to the Congress uh, for nominees. And he was so fed up with Congress because it was loud and it was noisy and there were horses outside and everything. He's I'm not doing this again. So he stopped that whole idea. Then you had uh, early presidents who thought this seemed too much like a presentation from the king. And so they used to do it. You know, if you if you look in the Constitution, the words "State of the Union" talk about from time to time the president shall deliver, uh, you know, an update on the state of the union. It's not said that it's a speech or anything like that. And so, until the early 20th century, it was hand—it was like a hand-in-assignment here. It was only in the early 20th century where they started to do it in person. And then you had radio come around in the 1920s and th- 30s. Okay, and and so that grew. Then you had television. Then they switched it to prime time with uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson. This was in the 1860s. Uh, And then I think President Clinton was the first one to have uh, his speech streamed online in the 1990s. You see the growth of this in that sense. So it is ultimately up to the Speaker of the House to invite the president uh, to come and speak.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And if I had a house, I would invite you over to Chad for dinner. Um, (laughs) I would accept,
1: and likewise, Abby.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on uh, Getting School, just to kind of break it all down. I really appreciate it. And anyone who's listening, Chad is a great follow on Twitter. He also does a great job of breaking things down on there. So be sure to give him a follow. And Chad, stay safe over there, and and we'll have to have you on again.
1: And Abby, if you come to my house, bring the Taylor Swift songs.
0: Oh, I will. Those are in my pocket at all times. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Chad. Thanks. All right. If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about the Speaker of the House. Number one, the president needs an official invitation from the Speaker of the House in order to make the State of the Union address. Chad says it's Kevin McCarthy's house. So he's the one who needs to extend the invite. Makes a lot of sense. Number two, The Speaker of the House needs to receive the majority of votes. And if he or she doesn't have the majority, the congressmen and women just keep on voting. And only members of the House are allowed to vote. So during the time of the vote, Congress can't operate how it regularly does. And number three, Chad points out there is a defined role of the Speaker, yes. But one that's not written in the Constitution, but is still understood, is, quote, to protect the integrity of the House. In regards to the line of succession to the president, the speaker is behind the vice president. So that vote we watched unfold is extremely important. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast on the Speaker of the House. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy.
1: And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America.
0: Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at
1: foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.